Hey there, my name is Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us on the Culture Bus Tools podcast. For those of you who listen regularly, welcome. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, in each episode, we explore leadership and ministry strategies that help increase our capacity to be effective with others. For the last nine episodes, We've been focusing on the Archippus series, which is a process you and your tribe can implement to help you recognize the importance of personal ministry and how to live that out. We've tried to provide some clarity and context into what personal ministry looks like. And we've been looking at all of this through the book of Colossians to help us think about how we are uniquely positioned to reach and disciple others. So for those of you who are new, you could pause this episode. You could check out episode 27, where we kick this idea off. And in each following episode, we've been focusing on a section of Colossians and have provided a stretch assignment for implementation so you could do it on your own or even with a team. So today I have my good friend, Chad Merrill with me. Chad, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. I can't believe it's uh, the 10th segment of this thing. This has been fun to do with you. I appreciate you for putting it together. Yeah, we're landing the plane today with this series, and I'm excited. We're going to be focusing on Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. So if our listeners want to pause this episode and read that, they can go ahead and do so, and then they can resume once they're finished. But man, let's jump into today's topic of conversation. Why do you feel as though this section of scripture is often overlooked, but incredibly important for us in this season of our life? Man, Chris, we preached through the book of Colossians. It was actually the first sermon series I ever did here at North Rock Hill Church as their pastor. The uh, guy that was on staff back then preached the final, uh, one of the final weeks and, and, um, I even remember him saying, like, I just don't get this last passage. Like, why does Paul always do this? It just feels like he's talking to people that we don't know. Yeah. And and it, it really does. He does do that sometimes. He, he kind of like throws in these statements of, hey, say hi to Chris and his wife and this other guy. But in the context of discipleship that we've walked through the book of Colossians, uh, in that context this time, I, I've really grown to love this final paragraph. And I think as a lead pastor leading our church through this, this shift in, in focus, as we focus on discipleship as the mission of the church, I, I really appreciate what he does here. And I think what's happening is he's painting a picture for the Colossian church of just what can happen when they live this way. He's reminding them of the people they already know who he has invested in, who others have invested in, and even they have invested in, that are doing meaningful ministry to their benefit and to the benefit of others. He's showing them that this call to live out the gospel and to invest it in other people through discipleship is reaching folks. And so he goes through all these crazy names, and the first guy, Tychicus, is this guy. And basically, he's saying, hey, you you wouldn't even be able to get this letter if it wasn't for him. He'll tell you all about what's going on over here. He's been faithful. He's ministering to you guys. It's his purpose to minister to you. I can't be with you, but he can. He goes to Onesimus. Onesimus, we see him again in the book of Philemon. He's a, a faithful, beloved brother. They'll tell you everything that's taking place here. Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner, greets you. Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, he just keeps going through all these names. Nympha, who started a house church, and he's showing the picture of multiplication that happens when when believers invest in other believers and help them find their unique path of ministry. And all these people are doing work. And now, even his mention of the church at Laodicea, 
he's pointing to the fact that churches are planted because of this work. And you guys are, are seeing fruitfulness even outside your city and outside your church because you're invested in other people. And so there are names that are authority, like Luke, you know, a guy that writes two books of the Bible and walks with Jesus. He sends his greetings. It's like an affirmation that you're doing well. He wants you to know that he sees you uh, just all through it. I love it. And then there's this, this weird verse in verse 17 that just really sets it apart for me. And, and Robbie brought this out so well in the beginning uh, of these conversations we've been having. Say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. And that verse never meant much to me until we were doing this. And I read it in light of all these other names doing all this meaningful work. And I'm thinking, like, what would not get done if Archippus didn't do what only he could do? Yeah. Uh, what an incredible incredible picture of how the church works and how discipleship scales ministry and how the effect of the gospel goes out through normal people given over to this extraordinary truth of the gospel. It's just, it's just awesome. And so I wonder like if Tychicus is doing that and Aristarchus is doing that and Barnabas and Mark and all these guys are doing that. Like, I wonder what's going to happen when Archippus does what only he can do. Yeah. Uh, I like that a lot. And he, he just reminds them again, I'm in chains. Grace be with you. Like, mm -hmm. hey, I trust you guys with this ministry because I see what you're doing. I see the fruit of your work. Yeah. Uh, carry, carry on. You know, yeah. what a cool charge from him. Yeah. Paul's affirming the individual impact of discipleship within the ministry of the church. These people, they're working together to ensure that the gospel is made known and more disciples are being made. And I know that we've asked this to a couple different people. Hey, if you replace the word Archippus with your name, how do you respond to that statement? And that's been real helpful for me as we've been thinking through what is ministry to me. He challenges Archippus to continue in his ministry. Robbie also delineated a little bit of that, what ministry and mission was. But talk to us a little bit, just on a personal level, what ministry could look like for any of our listeners today? Oh, man, I love that question. It's kind of my passion in, in, as a pastor is to, is to help people see that the gospel not only redeems your eternity, it redeems your right now. I love it because what happens in my life and what I see happening in most people's lives who are trying to live out a unique call to make disciples is that God takes the things that we used to be ashamed of, uh, the things we used to view as failures, and he proves to us that the gospel redeems even that. And what I mean by that is every one of us brings a unique skill set, a unique bunch of experiences, a unique you know, even geography and context to the table. And so for me, Chris, as a, as a pastor who is divorced, uh, that's a very rare thing in Baptist world to be a pastor who is, is, who is divorced and remarried. People immediately will come and talk to me about things that they feel like they can't talk to another pastor about because they've seen the work of the gospel in me, even in my vocation. And so what used to be one of the things that I carried around as shame and failure actually is one of the greatest on-ramps to ministry in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, we have another guy here who's a, a recovered alcoholic, and he constantly is meeting people who just realize his story, and they say, oh, wow, can you talk to me about that? I'm struggling, or I have a son that's struggling, or a, a wife that's struggling, that kind of thing. Uh, we have guys who have been in the military, 
And so young kids that are going off to boot camp, they want to come talk to them and say, hey, how can I live for Jesus at boot camp? Because it seems like it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Uh, we have guys who have you know, been in, in law enforcement or in the business world or have gone through, um, you know, fertility issues with their wife as a couple, you know, trying to get pregnant, you know, we've adoption stories, whatever it may be. We bring all that to the table along with our skills, along with our fears, along with the things that have happened to us and around us. And God just uses that as, as an opportunity to put people in our path that only we could share with effectively. Because they're, they're people who, who share experience or share geography with us. I got to share the gospel with a guy on a plane a couple months ago simply because I was wearing a Yankees hat and he was a Red Sox fan. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just those kind of things. And yeah. So when we begin to look at even the mundane things like what sports were like or teams we root for, God just has a unique personal ministry for every one of us. And so the phrase that I hear myself saying a lot, Chris, is that each of us is uniquely wired, uniquely skilled, uniquely experienced to reach a unique group of people in a unique circle of life. And I think that's what we're seeing in this paragraph from Paul. Yeah. That each of these people, you know, Onesimus was a slave, right? Like he was, a, he was a slave and probably owned by Archippus. He had significant work because he was a believer in the household of a believer. And so he was given uncommon freedom, even in that role, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And so he was available. You know, these other guys that are, that are mentioned here, Nympha, she had a house. And she's like, hey, I'm by myself in this house. If you need a place to meet, you can meet here. And I'll tell people what I've learned of Jesus. I, I just love that. So here's a woman leading significant ministry in a house church in a new place. It's just all through this thing where you see yeah. people doing what only they can do yeah. uh, for, the, for the mission of God. Man, so good. I, this is what I've learned through this series is that God wants to use me to bring glory to himself. And the question is, is, am I willing to do that today? Am I willing to embrace that? The idea that you said that I'm wired, I'm skilled, I'm experienced. That's what Paul was saying to Archippus. He was saying, hey, you're uniquely skilled, you're gifted, you're experienced, and you're placed to have a unique personal ministry to a unique group of people. In previous episodes, we talked about the spaces that you might be in. This might be the farm, which is work. This might be your family, This the people that you are close to. This might be the fun things that you do, these hobbies that you have, or or maybe your faith circles where you're in biblical community, or maybe you're in a community group. So you are uniquely skilled and gifted and experienced and placed in those spaces to do a unique work that God wants you to do. He wants you to use you. He wants to use me to bring glory to himself. Am I ready to do that today? And then we think about the story of Jesus and how he was a there you are person instead of a here I am person and and how God has written this story in our hearts. And as we surrender our lives to him, we are telling that story. So we've, we've talked about the spaces. We've talked about the story. and We've talked about the strengths of Christ and how we can live those out throughout our life. So I mean, this has been good for me. It has been challenging for me to encounter people each day and say, okay, I'm ready, Lord. I'm willing. I'm going to look at you through through these new set of glasses with mission and ministry. God has given me a new way to look at my life, to see people 
as an opportunity to serve them through this personal ministry that God's given me? How do we commission people to go and do the work that he's called us to do and to live this out? One of the things that I think needs to happen, Chris, is we need to be honest about the tension that we feel in us as we as we ask that question. Like, what would what would it look like for my name to be there? You know, don't tell Chad to not fail to do the work, the personal work that's been given to him by God. Yeah. There's a tension in that, right? Like there's a tension in that, that I wonder if I'm ready. I wonder uh, what if somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, or what if they ask me about that thing I don't like to talk about, right? Or uh, what if they ask me about this and it's something that I'm still working through on my own? Those We have so many excuses. You know, what if they interrupt me and I don't really want to be interrupted? It could be just anything. Sure. I think one of the things that has to happen here, and you pointed to it a second ago, is there's an urgency and a level of of calling in, in this truth that we just have to know is only answered by us personally. Yeah. What I mean by that is all of us, all of us will sit back and say, Oh man, I know Jesus, that's him. I, I affirm him, I appreciate him, yeah. I, I love him, I, I can tell you about him, those kind of things. But really what he called disciples to do was to follow him and to be made into something that we're not, pictures of men. And so this paragraph is really about Paul saying, look what's happened in these people's lives. You know them, you know their flaws, you know where they came from. They're ordinary people doing meaningful work because they've just simply allowed God to be enough in their life to turn them into something they couldn't be without him. That's right. And so I think I think that tension has to be answered. You know, do I trust Jesus enough? Do I trust the gospel enough that I'm willing to share even if I don't have all the answers? Yeah, that's good. Um, even if someone asks me about the thing I used to be ashamed of. Yeah. Um, even, even if I have to show how I deal with failure. Yeah. You know, I think one of the most compelling things we can do is just be honest about the fact that we we've gone through some stuff and 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 we we have we do fail. And we do need to let people see how we fail and how we react to that and how what repentance looks like and all that. Do we trust God enough to resolve the tension in the truth about him instead of trying to become a better version of us? Mm. Um, I wonder if that's really it. Yeah, um, I think he, he gets at it here. You know, he, he says, grace be with you. That's how he how he ends his letter. And uh, I think it's it's really a subtle reminder uh, more than it is just how he ends the letter. It's, hey, all the things that well up in you that show you that you can't do this, there's grace for that too. Hmm. There's grace is sufficient. Hmm. He tells us in, in, in other passages that, that uh, the spirit is, is made evident through our weaknesses, that his grace is sufficient for us, that kind yeah. of thing. And so how do we answer the tension when, when we realize that discipleship Living as a disciple, making disciples is not just a good idea. It's actually a calling. Yeah. It's actually a commission on my life as a believer. Is Jesus enough? Yeah. I think that movement is the key here. It's not taking some test, some personality assessment to figure out whether you're a beaver or a a squirrel. Just move. Just do ministry. Love people well. Get involved in their life. Be willing to be vulnerable and transparent with people. Care for people well. You talked about in a couple of episodes, man, am I willing to love people today? That's the test right there. And I, I think for me, just 
waking up each day to say, man, I am going to do the ministry that God has given me wherever I am in the spaces that I am. God, will you give me strength to be able to do that? I think that is the key to all of this. It is movement. And I think if we can learn how to embrace it, the tension that you're talking about, I think that we're going to be successful at discipleship. And uh, I think we're going to grow in our leadership. Yeah, I agree. We talk about it around here a lot as a staff. We call it the 51% principle. Hmm. Um, we, we talk about it in the context of decision-making a lot, that it, once you're 51% sure that you've decided which direction to go, uh, most of the other 49% you can only figure out after you start moving. True. I think following Jesus is like that. Yeah. You know, there's 51% of it is just realizing who we are and who we are, who we could be in him. Yeah, who he is, you know, and so once we've reconciled Jesus and we've given our life to him as the Lord of our life, it's time to start moving yeah. because we're only going to reconcile the the rest of it on the way. I, I use the, the picture sometimes with, with my, my kids or with different leaders that we would love to figure it all out before we move. Mm. But the truth is you have to go over some hills and around some turns on this journey before you can really even see what's up there. That's right. And figure out and figure out the rest. A lot of this is through experiencing obedience, experiencing grace and failure, uh, watching Jesus show up in those moments when you didn't have the answer for the question and someone put their faith in Jesus anyway. Yeah. Uh, those kind of things, just realizing that we're not in this alone, that God plays a part, that the, the disciple plays a part and the disciple maker plays a part, that there's, yep. there's three things happening all the time. And then we have the word of God to go to. Anytime we're in doubt and we have the presence of the spirit to pray for when we're in doubt, those kind of things. And so I think obedience, it could kill our faith if we step out too far. And I'm not asking anybody to step out in, in foolishness, yeah. step out in faith, but faith is active. Yeah. And when we step out in obedience, believing that Jesus is who he says he is, we step out doing the things that he has clearly called us to do. Mm-hmm. It builds our faith. It doesn't crush our faith. That's right. The gospel is not fragile. We can't mess it up. That's right. Uh, in, in obe- not in obedience. And so I think that's it. I, I love the definition of this word. I, I, I'm not a guy who nerds out all the time in the Greek, but this, this Greek word for ministry uh, is pronounced diakonia, which means we think about the word ministry as something for the spiritually elite. That, that word really means a serviceable labor or assistance. Hmm which is really is just, okay, do what you can do as service to other people. Yeah. Be a help. Yeah. Help people love, yeah. love them right yeah. where they are. And uh, man, it just, it just kind of brings it down to the shelf where I feel like I can reach it when I, when I understand it that way. Yeah. There's some stuff I know and some stuff I've experienced and I can help. That's right. I can help. That's right. So yeah. good. Well, I think that's a good way to end here. We've talked about what does this look like afterwards, and um, we've we've talked a little bit about creating a page where we can give people access to all of these audios and stretch assignments, but even even creating a leader guide, some sort of kit that would allow 
maybe a, a ministry team at another church or a nonprofit or something to be able to just implement this with their team and to help their team see the importance of personal ministry and how to live that out. I'm excited. I think it could be really helpful. It's been so helpful for me. Anything else you would want to add to that, Chad? Chris, I think you've you've done such a great help to our church and to so many people by putting all this together. And I'm just thankful for the unique skill set that God has given you to do that. And I just want to challenge people to really not run past the end and to really just think about, you know, what if it was you? Likely, if if you're listening to this, you're a member of a local church. The local church is called to make disciples. What if Paul said, and say to you, see that you fulfill the ministry, the serviceable assistance that you have received in the Lord. All your experiences, all the places you go, all the things that you've done and have been done to you, the things you know, the things you are learning, the things you've learned in the past, it's all useful and can be the bridge for someone to know Jesus and to grow in him. If our churches only did that, Chris, I think it would change the world. Yeah. So good, Chad. Well, thanks for doing this with me. It's been incredibly rewarding. I appreciate you and your team. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It's been fun. We'll have to do something else soon. That's right. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out the Archibus series by visiting culturebus.cc forward slash Archibus series. There you can access all 10 episodes, stretch assignments. We'll have a leader guide as well as participant guides that you could access. And all of this will help you be able to create forward movement around the principles shared in Colossians. You can access this resource there, or you can email me at hello at culturebus.cc or just check out the show notes for more information. If you're new to the podcast, consider signing up to receive these tools in your inbox with each new episode. You can head on over to culturebus.cc forward slash podcast to sign up. All right, we'll see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.